This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Marshall left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso. He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. You ready to go, A's fans? I hope you are, because the clock is a ticking. Right now, you're looking at 20 three games that's it and they're gonna go by so fast because you're dealing with a doubleheader tomorrow you're dealing with a doubleheader on saturday you're dealing with a doubleheader on monday and there you go this is the full-on sprint to the finish line and yeah 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 you know yesterday wasn't great let's be honest But you do understand this team's been dealing with a lot of stuff. And now they're going to have five games against the Houston Astros. Five games. If you want to close the Astros out, if you're the A's, you take care of business the next four days and five games. Because right now, the Angels did you a solid. The Angels took care of the Houston Astros. And the Astros have lost four in a row. They're three and a half games back. You take care of your business the next four days. And you won't have to worry about the Houston Astros. But if you don't take care of your business the next four days, then you're going to really have to worry about the Houston Astros. Robert Ford from the Astros Radio Network is going to join us at 3.30. Martin Gallegos from MLB.com will be here at 4. Tommy Lestella will stop by at 4.30, new Oakland Athletic. And then the TV face of your Oakland A's from NBC Sports California, Glenn Kuyper, will be here at 4.40. Cody, what time are we going to? By the way, hello, Cody. How are you? How was your weekend? Uh, it was great. Uh Feels like it went by pretty fast when we're working every day, but just another day. It's Labor Day. Happy Labor Day to everyone out there. And uh, we're on until 5 today because A's total access starts at 5.15. So Wait a minute. You said you're working every day. What did you do yesterday? I don't remember you being a part of the broadcast in any shape or form. Uh, I help with pregame and posting it, pre and post. I'm working too. 
Uh, doing what? What did you do? I have to edit and produce the pre- and post-game show to post online. Ah, okay, yeah. Yeah, you really were. A lot of manpower for you over the weekend. Uh, yeah, that David Force interview I had to cut into two parts took a long time. Yes, I'm <laughs> sure it, it did. Um, Angels, let's be honest, the Angels were huge for the A's this, this past weekend. I mean, when they swept that doubleheader on Saturday and followed up beating them again on on Sunday, I mean, you couldn't ask for any more from the Angels. I've never been an Angel fan until this past weekend. And uh, rooting for the Angels, and at one point, Mike Trout had gotten on base like 16 out of 18 times. Watching Trout beat up on somebody else is actually fun. Yeah, uh, it was very ha- my household was very happy over the weekend uh, living with an Angels fan. She's all excited. Hey, they're only eight games under. I'm like, yeah, they, they have no shot of making the play. I mean, maybe. I mean, the Yankees are the A seed right now, so who knows? But, you know, you mentioned how the A's, if they take care of their business, they don't have to worry about Houston. If the playoffs started today, the A's will play in the first round, the Houston Astros in the 3-6 matchup. So we're probably going to see a lot of the Astros uh, potentially coming down the coming down the road if it ended like it is today, which I'm hoping it doesn't. The AL Central is going to beat up on each other because you've got three teams fighting for that number one seed with the White Sox leading the way. Um, so we'll see. But, well, I just saw some, I guess, breaking news uh, a couple minutes ago from Martin Gallegos has tweeted it out. Uh, A.J. Puck is shut down for now, lingering shoulder issues. So I don't think we'll probably no. see him this year. Are you serious? Yep. 257 earlier today. So what was that? Um, eight minutes ago. Martin Gallegos of MLB.com. He'll join us at four. A.J. Puck is shut down for now, lingering shoulder issues. I know we, we saw that he was supposed to come back this week, potentially after facing hitters, but it doesn't look like it as of now. You know, I'm glad I, I I went down that road of I'm not going to get too excited. And I went down the road of I'll believe it when I see it. And I did a lot of ifs. I mean, the bottom line is this. Until this kid can stay healthy, you cannot count on him. And he has had so much time. I mean, let's face it. When were we down at spring training? Was it the uh, first week of March? Right. It was like when they they played in Vegas. Which was February. Then we went with the uh, club down to Arizona. I mean, that was early March. And he got shut down when I was leaving. I don't know when I left, but that was before March fifteenth, my birthday. It was like he March got 8th. shut down. It was like March eighth, I think you left. It was a Sunday, so he would have got shut down that day, I believe, or the day before. Yeah, hey, didn't you break the news? Yeah, so we did the Bob Melvin show, and Bob, you know, told us on on, uh, which was for A's cast, but we were also using it for the pregame show at that time. A's total access down in the Valley of the Sun, I want to say the A's were taking on the White Sox that day. And we were over at their facility. And Bob said he was getting shut down. That was early March. April, May, June, July, August, September. Six months later, he's being shut down again. 
I say it all the time. The best ability is availability. And going forward, so this basically means his season's done. And going into next season, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be in that position. Hey, look at Jesus and, and A.J. Puck in the starting rotation. I'm, I, I don't know whether this kid can be a starter. I mean, I don't know, like, like his career. He's had Tommy John. Now he has issues with his shoulder. I mean, he's a college guy, so he's not, he's not young. Let me quickly look up his age here. There's two other notes on the A's, too, that we can get to that Martin tweeted out about Simeon and Matt Chapman. Well, I mean, sticking with Puck here for a second, he's 25 years old. His birthday is April 25th. So at the start, essentially, of next season, if we start on time, he's not going to be 26. So it's not like this is a a, a 21-year-old or a 20-year-old. This is a college guy, and this really scares me. Because it's six seven, you just you 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 believe that you have this Randy Johnson like player, but he is not ever since. Well, even before he was drafted, but let's just benefit of the doubt. Since he was drafted, he hasn't been able to stay healthy, and we're in a position now where you just cannot rely on him. Until he can prove he can stay healthy, I don't know how you talk about him. I mean, it doesn't mean he's a bad guy. It doesn't. I mean, it's it's sad, you know, because he's got this great talent. But to get shut down again after six months, Cody had six months to heal. Yeah, it's weird. And it's unfortunate because, we, you know, we were all excited to see him pitch. We saw what he could bring last year when he debuted against the Yankees. You know, the the, you know, the, the high velocity he has coming from the left side of the mound. But it's just, you know, it's, it's, it seems to be a lingering issue for a lot of guys to throw hard sometimes anymore. The harder you throw, the more issues you have. And, I mean, maybe he has to, I don't know, maybe, you know, ramp it down a little bit. Maybe coming back when he does come back and not maybe, you know, go all out throwing as hard as you can every time and then work your way into that. I, I, I don't know. We've seen a lot of arm injuries this year already with, with pitchers. So, But it's been a lingering thing for him, it seems, for a while. All right, what do you got? Or, 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 I need good news before I need bad news. Okay, so Marcus Simeon is expected to return at some point during the series, according to Bob Melvin. That's from Martin Gallegos. And then uh, Matt Chapman, he says he's dealing with right hip tendonitis. Not sure how long he'll be out, but not looking at putting him on the injured list at this point. So he'll probably be out for a few days, and we'll. Pro- it sounds like we'll see the return of Marcus Simeon at some point in this uh, four-day stretch against the Astros. I I I am gonna I'm gonna stay with. I think that's a positive for Matt Chapman. And I don't know if you listened, Cody, to the post-game show uh, with Ken and I. But the reality is, I've dealt with concussions. I've had six documented, and they're very, very scary. 
and they can have long-term effects. And once you get one, it makes it easy. It's a brain bruise is what it is. And I don't know what his history is, but I know he just got one. And the way he's been swinging through all these pitches that are essentially, he swung at pitches right down the middle and did not, and just doesn't make contact, which immediately makes you think something's wrong. He's not seeing it. It's not processing. So if you're going to tell me it's a hip flexor, you can fix a hip flexor. You know, that's one of those injuries. You know, it was always funny, you know, working in football when someone broke a bone. It was always, the good thing is, broken bones heal. You'll play again. It's other injuries you have to worry about. And one, obviously, concussions. You know, Marcus Simeon said himself, you know, hey, look, I'm starting to take BP. I'm starting to feel better. So those two, those two make me feel a lot better. Now, obviously, Bob Melvin has met with the media, so we're getting this information. So that doesn't worry me about Simeon. Obviously, he's going to be back, and we'll see him against the Astros. Chapman, I got to take that as a glass half full that I'm glad I'm hearing about a hip flexor than something else. Yeah, you're right about the the strikeouts because I was watching. He didn't look like himself at the plate. I mean, he won his like last seven at bats. He had the seven strikeouts. I mean, he quietly went from being, you know, middle of the pack in strikeouts to being fifth in Major League Baseball in strikeouts among qualified hitters. Uh, it, it just didn't look good. I mean, he was swinging and missing pitches right down the middle of the plate. So, and he and he made a couple nice plays, but I wonder if that play, that diving play he made on was it Saturday night, if that might have affected him a little bit too, uh, when he made that diving stop to his to his uh, to his left. I think I forget who was running down the line, but he got him. Very, I think it was uh, Grisham that he got. And it was a nice play, but I mean, maybe that tied into what caused the hip problem. But hopefully, it's not—it's good news, like you said, that it's not an injured injured list uh, situation right now for Matt Chapman. Well, it's not a head injury. That's the thing. I mean, when you really want to get into it, I mean, that's what—that's what makes me feel better. Is that you know, it's an injury that you can actually you can say, okay, it's a hip flexor. I know we can rehab that. I know that he can be better anytime soon. You never want lingering issues with concussions. That is, I mean, look at the great quarterbacks, Hall of Famers, whether it's Steve Young, whether it's Troy Aikman. I mean, obviously, different sport. It is not the proper comparison, but it gives you an idea of professional athletes whose careers were cut short because of concussions and concussions can linger with you. I've experienced that myself. So to me, I think that is a win that we can look at Matt Chapman and say, okay, it's just a hip flexor. You strike out five times in one game, five times. That is a really bad look. And you get, I mean, you give the Padres credit. But they're not that good. And you've owned Garrett Richards over the years. And all the strikeouts, I mean, that's the, you know, the good thing is the A's are in the right spot. The bad thing is, well, they are who they are at times. 
And yesterday was, you know, it was the bad A's. It's when they strike out a lot and they don't do a whole lot of damage. But they're still in the power rankings. When you look at the top five, MLB has come out with them. Number one and was number one last week and number one this week. The L.A. Dodgers are 30 and 12. No, they're not number one. Not the Dodgers. Number two? Oh, yeah. Your Tampa Bay Rays. Can you can you now just concede the AL East to the Rays? I mean, it's getting close. I mean, the Yankees are struggling. The Jays are the Jays are actually the second place team in the AL East. I was looking at the Rays earlier, and they they have twenty eight wins. You know how many qual you know how many quality starts their starting pitchers have this year? The Rays. The Rays. Uh, I'll go with. Um, let's see. They've played. I'm going to say like three. Close. They have four. (laughs) You know who leads baseball? The Cleveland Indians. They have 28 quality starts from their starting pitching. That's ridiculous. (laughs) The A's have eight, by the way. Eight quality starts from their starters. That's Uh, six innings, three runs or less. The Baltimore Orioles, your Orioles, took it to the Yankees over the weekend. I'm not sure you can say that the Yankees – are guaranteed to make the postseason. Baltimore's coming. I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at the standings right now, right? And the Yankees have played 40 games. Is that correct? Yes, I forget what the I forget what their exact record is, but the, yeah, they played 40. They're third in their division. I know that for sure. I can't remember what their yeah. exact record is. They're six and a half back, and literally. They're, they're 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 fighting off the Baltimore Orioles right now. It's Tampa and Toronto. Remember, it's the first two teams in each division. And then there's going to be only two other teams other than that, and it's going to be based on record. Well, okay, right out of the gate, the Minnesota Twins have a better record. And, I mean... It's a reality. The Mariners and the Angels have won five in a row, and they're on the Yankees. I mean, if the Yankees don't turn it around, you can have the legit conversation here that the New York Yankees not even making the playoffs. Which is crazy, but it, it could happen. You're right, because they're only I think they're only two games ahead of Baltimore. Baltimore's 19-21, and 21, and the Yankees are 21-19. and 19. And then Seattle, you said they, they, they're winning. They're winning again right now. When I last looked, it was 8-2 versus the Rangers that Seattle's up. And Anaheim has won a, a ton of four games in a row, at least because they swept the Astros. They're 17 and 25. They're, I mean, there's teams coming. The Yankees don't have any. Garrett Cole doesn't look. I mean, he struggled his last few starts. I wouldn't say he doesn't look good. He still strikes a lot of guys out. But he, he he's four and three. His ERA is almost closer to four. So that's not what they're looking for from him. Uh, James Paxton's hurt. Jordan Montgomery hasn't pitched well. Uh, they're not getting any production really from their offense. Uh, in the last 18 games, are five and 13. And I think they're hitting like 186 with runners in scoring position. That's not good for the New York Yankees. Does it surprise you? They've kind of been a ticking time bomb that just somehow, some way, whoever they replaced has really come through. And they have survived having big name guys out now. I mean, for really two years. And it just seems like for the first time, the New York Yankees 
it's catching up to them. The fact that star players, big name guys can't play every day. And it just seems like it's finally catching up to them. And boy, would that be fascinating to say eight teams made the playoffs and the New York Yankees with all that money. And they're still spending. Let's let's not kid ourselves. Even in a 60-game season, they're spending a boatload of money on that roster. And, oh, yeah, as uh, everybody came down on the A's early, uh, they furloughed a bunch of people. They just furloughed, I was, it was a couple weeks ago, over 100 people yeah, was in their of, organization. I want to say it was like a lot of their baseball ops staff and stuff like that. Uh, they, they, they've been making changes. And one change they made that's you know, a lot of people aren't talking about as much is they benched uh, Gary Sanchez. The San, uh, this what what's what is John Sterling call him? The, the Sanchino. The Sanchino got benched. So you literally have no Judge, no Stanton, no Gla- Gla- Happy Glaber Day to everyone out there. And now uh, they also don't have uh, the Sanchino, Gary Sanchez, in their lineup because he's struggling. Four of your biggest home run hitters from last year. Well, you can't really count Stanton; he didn't really play or Judge. So Glaber Torres and, and Sanchez aren't in the lineup. Those are big thumpers in that Yankees lineup that are not playing. Luke Voigt's been awesome for them. Don't get me wrong. He's been great. But other than that, I mean – oh, sorry, Glaber is back. My, my mistake. But Gary Sanchez is hitting 130 on the season. 130. That's not a mistake. 130 he's hitting. The Yankees' big boppers are not getting it done besides Luke Voigt, who looks like an MVP guy in the, in the American League with how many home runs he's hitting. But what do you think of the Yankees? You think of all that production, 5-13 and 13 in their last 18 games. They're hitting a little over 200 as a team. 186 with runners in scoring position. Uh, it, they're just not they're not getting it done right now. And here comes Baltimore. And wouldn't you say, finally the injuries, they're not overcoming those injuries anymore. Yeah, like when we when we praised uh, – I know we did it last year with Aaron Boone where we praised him for what he's done with all those injuries. And, you know, Rocco Baldelli did a great job with the Twins. They won 101 games, the 307 home runs, blah, blah, blah. They were great. But Aaron Boone should have got the – I still think he should have got American League Manager of the Year for what he did with all those injuries – and with the Yankees, and and it's not guys like they went out and traded for guys. They didn't trade for any of this anybody at this deadline or last deadline. It was guys like Mike Talkman and Luke Voigt and Mike Ford and Gio Urshela stepping up for the Yankees this year. There really isn't a guy like that. It's just it's just um, Urshela got put on the IL, and Voigt's the only guy really stepping up for them right now. And the absence of their big their big hitters. So the Yankees hit a buck eighty four. With two home runs and 11 runs in four games over the weekend against the Orioles. They've lost 13 of their last 18. On August 17th, the Yankees were 16 and 6. They were leading the Toronto Blue Jays by six and a half games atop the division. In just 21 days, the Yankees have fallen to third place. And now, no one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Jays. They've got a three-game set starting today at Salem Field. That's the AAA affiliate stadium for the Toronto Blue Jays. It's the Yankees and the Jays. To where you want to talk a difference between the Yankees and the Jays? 
The Baby Jays have won eight of their last 12 games. I mean, what? I, I mean, you literally are watching the Yankees completely fall apart. And every single time I look up the scoreboard, I, I'm like, I'm like shocked. They're losing. The Jays. By the way, the Sanchino, your Sanchino, Cody, had the day off yesterday. Yeah, they benched him. That's what they were saying that they benched him. The... I'm hearing a day off. That's mm. my my sources say it was a day off. Clear your head. And by the way, uh, your guy Luke Voigt, one for fourteen <laughs> against Baltimore over the weekend. That's one good. for fourteen. Yeah, the the Sanchino that you. Me being an East Coast guy, I know what that means when it comes to stuff. He got benched. He was benched. It wasn't he was clearing his head, day off. He got benched. I mean, when you're hitting 130 and you're expected to hit 30-plus home runs as your catcher, uh, it, it makes sense. And the Jays, you know who's really helping the Jays so far this year? Them, The Jays acquiring Tyon Walker from the from the Mariners has been a godsend for them. He's In two starts, he has an ERA. It's like 1.54. He's making his third start tomorrow against the Yankees. He's been great for them. Ryu's been good for them. Well, you were hoping he'd be great. You signed him for four years, $80 million. But their starting pitching's been good, and, and they and the guys they got at the deadline are helping them out. They're going for it. They have a nice young talent. And then Boba Shett's not even back yet, I don't think. Well, one good thing heading into this series for the athletics is that if you look at the five meetings so far between the athletics and the Houston Astros, the A's have three wins, the Astros have two wins. The home team has won. Every single game. And now that's five going to be played at the Oakland Coliseum. What is it with and the Astros not being able to win on the road? We saw it in the World Series last year, too. Remember, they, every 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 game the road team won? Yeah. Well, their bullpen, their bullpen right now, last 14 games, 0-5 with a 6.13 ERA. It's like... You have to get to their bullpen. I mean, that's just and, and and that's just a must. And they got bullpen guys, Cody. We talked about this before. They got bullpen guys that were pitching in a ball last year. I mean, the guy tonight, Christian Javier, their starter, was the the, the minor league pitcher of the year last year. He pitched in Double A. It's not like he was tearing it up in Triple A for them. He did most of his damage in Double A last year, and now he's what their second best starter, probably behind Zach Greinke right now. Yeah, Jeff Blum was uh, Blummer, friend of the program, was talking about. We've had so many guys make their ML MLB debut; it's unreal. I mean that bull. I mean last fourteen games, zero five with a six point one three ERA. That has been the strength of the A's, has not been the strength of the Houston Astros. Coming up next, we're going to find out what's been going on with these Astros. Losing streak, getting beat up by Anaheim. They've got issues. Robert Ford from the Astros Radio Network will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town. A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
All right, Cody, where is he? Uh, I'm going to call him here in a second. Just waiting for the bed to, to go down, you know, gradually go down, and then I'll give him a call. All right. So Robert Ford, from who does play-by-play -play for the Houston Astros, is going to join us. How are you? It's uh, good to have you on the program again. We appreciate your time. Yeah, great to be here. So uh, a rough weekend for the Astros in Anaheim as the Halos all of a sudden they're now they're now a, a formal challenge now the Houston uh, the uh, the Angels. Yeah, I mean it was just one of those things where everything that could go right for the Angels did, and everything that could go wrong for the Astros seemed to go wrong. Although the Astros, I mean, they were in every single game and uh, had leads in, in three of the four games, but the Angels won all four of them in their last at bat, including a couple of walk-off wins. One game wasn't a walk-off win, but that was only because the second game of the doubleheader on Saturday, the Angels were the road team. That was a game in Houston. But, yeah, it was, it was a, a really tough series. And I think, you know, Dusty Baker and the Astros are hoping that maybe it's a, a turning point and that the team plays better over the last three weeks of the season. You know, this past weekend, I think for both of these clubs, I mean, as – they had you had to get the Astros out of Houston because you're worried about Hurricane Laura. You got the social injustice. You, you, you got the pandemic. The the A's show up, and next thing you know, Daniel Mingo, the A's test positive, and the A's are now stuck in their hotel rooms and they're quarantining. They don't even go to to Seattle. I just this last week, week and a half, really for both these franchises has been so odd. I don't want to make excuses for why there's been losing, but I, I wouldn't you say I think we understand that they're, they've been dealing with some really heavy stuff. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's kind of baseball in 2020, right? It seems like everybody's been dealing with, with something, uh, you know, and obviously, you know, the, the racial injustice protests and the, um, the Hurricane Laura added a, a different wrinkle into things for, for the Astros and, and for the A's, but yeah, I mean, it just feels like everybody's dealing with something. I mean, it's when you think about everything that all these guys are dealing with, whether it's, you know, being away from their families for a few months, whether it's, you know, the constant testing and how everything is just so different. And they're supposed to be, my understanding is they're supposed to be wearing masks when they're in the clubhouse and they can't socially distance. I mean, just all of the things going on. It's pretty amazing that these guys are still able to perform at a really high level and play Major League Baseball when you when you really think about everything that they're being asked to do right now. Yeah, and, and for your career, you're so used to traveling and traveling with the Astros. You know, I've talked to Bob Melvin about this. I mean, a lot of these guys, it's it's not so comfortable. We're you know, I, I've traveled with the A's, I've traveled with the Raiders. Uh, usually, it's a really comfortable deal, but being on the road right now. It, for let's be honest, it's pretty scary. And you think about, you know, the Astros, you got to be in Anaheim. Now they're coming to the Bay area. I, this is just not easy when you're on the road and you're a major league baseball team. It's not. And uh, you throw in the fact, you know, you're supposed to stay in your hotel. Like I've had people ask me, you know, do I miss traveling? And I certainly love traveling uh, with the Astros and traveling with, with various teams throughout my, my broadcasting career. But you know what? I don't miss it at all this year because it's just completely different. I love coming to the Bay Area when the Astros play the A's. You know, stay in San Francisco. Uh, you know, it's a great city. We're right there downtown. But I'm not upset that I'm not in Oakland and in San Francisco right now because 
you know, what's the point of going there if I have to stay in the hotel room the whole time? So, uh, you know, being in some of these great cities, you know, I was thinking the same thing too when the Astros were in San Diego earlier this year. We don't get to go to San Diego every year. And, uh, you know, that's just such a great city. And, you know, right there by the Gaslamp District, you can walk to the ballpark. There's plenty to do. A lot of great restaurants, but you, you can't do any of that. And the weather's great in San Diego, too, all the time. But you can't do any of that right now. Um, it's basically just ballpark and hotel for these guys. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely is not the same when you think about the, the travel aspect of it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, you know, I applaud the players and the coaches and everybody else for, for dealing with that and, and trying to make the best of what's a difficult situation. But, uh, yeah, it's not something that I miss at all right now. You know, over the years, I, I got a chance to cover Dusty Baker when he was with the Giants, and he's just, you know, he's like the coolest dude. And he's like, and he's like a philosopher, and he says things that really stick with you. What, what, what has this first year been like for the Astros and Dusty Baker? I mean, it's been great, and you're you're absolutely right about Dusty. I mean, I don't think there are too many seventy-one-year-olds that you would describe as cool, uh, but Dusty Baker may be the coolest person I've ever met. Um, you know, one of the things that I do miss about, you know, the way things are this year is that I don't get the chance to, you know, be with him in his office every single day. I mean, we still do, you know, the uh, manager's pregame show over Zoom. And, you know, we get to have some conversations on that, but it's not quite the same. But, you know, one of the, the great things about Dusty, too, because, I mean, he's just a walking baseball encyclopedia and a baseball history book. Like today, you know, I just recorded my uh, pregame show with Dusty Baker not too long before I got on with you guys and, uh, you know, we started off just talking about Lou Brock, who, you know, passed away yesterday yeah. and his memories of hanging out with him and, um, you know, telling me Lou Brock stories. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. We did the same thing last week when Tom Seaver passed away and he apparently knew Tom Seaver really well. Uh, so, you know, it's just, it's just really cool to have somebody, uh, in his seat that like, especially doing what I do where I can basically ask him about anybody who played in the National League in the 70s and 80s, and a lot of guys who played in the American League, too. And uh, he can tell, tell you stories about those guys and going up against them and also just getting to know them off the field as well. So, yeah, it's been great to have Dusty Baker uh, managing the Houston Astros. You know, I'll never forget, I was, I was young in my career when Dusty had prostate cancer, and this is going all the way back to Candlestick Park. And when Dusty came back and there was a group of us in his office at, at the stick and I'll never forget, I caught, I must've been like 27, 28 years old when he looked at all of us and said, tomorrow is promised to nobody. And I was like, mm -hmm. wow. I mean, you know, when you're like a 20 year old and you're hearing a guy who just beat cancer and he's saying that I just, I will never forget that. And uh, Dusty Baker. Yeah. And it is sad. Lou Brock and Tom Seaver, uh, you know, you talk about these two guys, what they meant to the game of baseball, just incredible. And it's just, uh, I think just, uh, you know, for, I think for all of us as broadcasters, we're just, we're, we're like thankful to be working. And because it's like, it's like this season, I say it all the time, Robert, that, you know, we're all just kind of hanging by a thread right now. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, you just don't know, um, you know, it's, you're usually just used to kind of knowing when you're going to play and, you know, obviously that changes sometimes because of rain and stuff like that. But you know that, you know, you're going to play all 162 games, more or less. Uh, there may be some disruptions, but they're going to be pretty minor, minor, and you can usually kind of anticipate them. But this year, I mean, yeah, you know, be like uh, I was 
two Sundays ago, you know, wake up in the morning, get a text message. Hey, there's not going to be a game today because there was a positive COVID-19 test with the, with the A's. Uh, and so then not only did that game not get played, but then you start wondering, all right, well, was there a spread? Is there an outbreak? Are the Astros not going to be able to play the next few days? And then, you know, the, the Astros were off Monday and then they played that Tuesday uh, and, you know, you're kind of wondering, all right, are they going to be play, able to play that game on Tuesday? Are they going to get all the testing done? And I mean, just stuff you never had to think about before. Um, but, you know, that's just I mean, that's just kind of how life is in 2020, whether it's in baseball or, or outside of baseball. So I think all of us just try to roll with it the best we can. But, yeah, you're right. It's it seems like at any moment everything could just go poof. You know, we had your buddy Jeff Blum on recently, and we were joking with him about how many guys have just they, – they've made their debut for the Astros, especially a lot of pitchers, and we were we were having fun with it going, you know, and I can't remember all the teams, but like the, the Fayetteville Woodpeckers, and then you got like the Corpus Christi. I mean, you've had so many guys make their debut, and uh, what's it been like trying to find out about these players that were – with these minor league teams and they're now with you guys on the big club. Yeah. And you know, a lot of these guys, I, I at least had some knowledge of because being down at spring training and you know, we broadcast a good chunk of the spring training games. So a lot of these guys I've seen, but yeah, I mean, you're, we're getting to a point now where there are guys getting called up like Luis Garcia. I'd heard about him, but I had never seen him pitch and didn't really know a whole lot about him. Um, and then he's going to, when he made his debut over the weekend in Anaheim, he was the 10th pitcher to make his major league debut for the Astros this year, which ties a club record with the 2013 Astros who lost 111 games. But this is a team in 2020 that's, you know, trying to win a world series. So it's a little different, but I mean, that's just kind of the way it's gone. And, uh, you know, Garcia, A's are going to see him. He's going to make his first big league start um, on Wednesday. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you just, you know, you try to prepare as best as you can. Um, there, It is somewhat exciting. I always love seeing, uh, players make their big league debuts and young players in the big leagues, whether they're on the Astros or on other teams, just because, you know, I mean, I love the game. And, you know, sometimes I think that, uh, you know, I kind of look at things, maybe not like a scout, but certainly, you know, you try to evaluate guys and figure out, all right, you know, this, I really like what I see from this guy, or I don't like what I see from that guy. And that, you know, that's a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, it's obviously created a, a really interesting dynamic uh, with this Astros ball club because it's a team that's trying to win and trying to do some big things, but they've dealt with so many injuries, particularly on the pitching side, that uh, they've had to rely on a lot of guys who they were not expecting to see in the big leagues this year. Yeah, I, I need to apologize. I'm not up on my Quad Cities River Bandits knowledge. So if someone <laughs> – I'm just – but, you know, the good thing for the Astros is Bregman's coming back. We're going to see him in this series, right? Yeah, Dusty Baker actually said earlier today that uh, Bregman will likely be activated tomorrow and play one of the two games. And the way Baker put it was he'd be activated in some capacity. So he may not play in the field. He may just DH for one of the games. But still, obviously, to have Bregman back is huge. He's dealt with the, this, this hamstring issue in the past. Uh, so I think that's part of the reason they're trying to be as cautious as they can with it. Um, and also because, you know, there are only three weeks left in the season. You don't want it to be a, a situation where he re-enters it and then yeah, you, you, you lose him for whatever is left. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it'll be good to have Alex Breckman back. Uh, it seems like whenever somebody comes back, somebody else goes down. Uh, that's just the way this year has gone. But, yeah, obviously having Bregman back will be huge for the Astros. 
Yeah, the A's only have 23 games left. And, I, you know, we've been talking to everybody about how this thing's a sprint. And really, you can get yourself, since there's going to be eight teams going into the playoffs from the American League, you know, you start looking around baseball and you start going, okay, well, there's some teams. Let's face it, Seattle's been hot. The Angels have been hot. Even the Orioles have started playing much better baseball. The Yankees, hard to believe, are starting to sink right now. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these teams are just 20, 20-something games left. I mean, this is this is a crazy sprint to the finish line. It is. Um, and, I mean, I think we all kind of knew coming into this year that with it being only 60 games, uh, you know, the cream doesn't rise to the top as quickly. Uh, you know, it's, you're not going to have teams. I mean, the Astros, you think about the last three years winning the division, uh, you know, those years for the most part, it's, it, they've, they've, they've won by double digits and, uh, you know, usually had a double digit lead by the all-star break. Uh, but you're not going to see that this year. And I, and we knew that coming into the year just because of the nature of the season and the fact that it's only 60 games. I mean, I used to always hear that it takes you 50 or 60 games to kind of know what sort of team you have. Uh, and that's the season. You know, I heard Joe Madden say the other day, the Angels manager, that it usually takes about a month for you to kind of figure out your bullpen. Well, by the time you figured out your bullpen, the season's half over. Uh, but that's just the nature of this year and just one of the weird things we have to deal with in 2020. No doubt about it. And I look at this series, it's five games. It's kind of like a triple A series. Uh five games and you know the a's could get some serious distance from the astros or the astros could close that gap and 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 let's just end on this as you mentioned how well the the astros have have played over the last few years as they continue to win the american league west but the roles have kind of flipped it's like the hunter has become the hunted and that's kind of where the A's are now versus, you know, where it's been in the past. We've always been hunting you guys. Now you guys are looking up at us. Yeah, it, it is unique. Um, I think roles got reversed a little bit with the Astros, that doubleheader sweep in Houston, uh, you know, at the end of August. But, yeah, you're right. It, it has been reversed, and it's felt that way. Um, it's definitely felt like, you know, the last three years it felt like, yeah, the A's are really good, but the Astros are definitively better. Um, and the Astros are, you know, are going to win a division. And, you know, the A's are a good team, but the Astros are, are definitely better. This year, you can't say that. Um, you know, the A's certainly have the upper hand. You know, the Astros obviously could come back and win the division. As you mentioned, this series is kind of a, a huge indicator of whether that may happen or not. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's a much different feeling. Although I, I do think it does with the new playoff format, does kind of take the sting out of it a little bit. Because if the Astros finish in second, they're still in the postseason. Uh, and they're still going to play three games as opposed to playing the wild card game, which, as A's fans know, that's a crapshoot. Yeah, and after the first round, uh, everybody could be in a bubble and there's no home field advantage. So, really, where you're seated kind of, I mean, it, it, it depicts who you play, but really – it's not going to mean as much as normal. I just want to ask you one more. What is there an update on Justin Verlander? Do you expect to see him this season? I think, uh, well, uh, we do our general manager show with James Click every Sunday, and we, we did it yesterday, and um, he said Verlander has been throwing off a mound, which is new news. Uh, but, I mean, I think you kind of have to plan like he's not going to be back. And that's not to say Verlander won't be back, but, I mean, at this point, uh, you know, if you're thinking of him as a starter still, 
you know, there are only three weeks left in the season. So if everything goes well, you know, he might be back for the for the playoffs should the Astros make it. Uh, but that's if everything goes well. And even if he comes back as a reliever, uh, you know, still, you're still talking about, well, maybe he's back by the end of the year, like the last last week or so. Uh, so I really think that, you know, I obviously as an Astros broadcaster, certainly hope that Justin Verlander can come back this year. But I think if you look at it realistically, I think you have to plan like he's not going to be back. Robert, we always appreciate the time. Thank you so much for coming on. I know it's not always easy when you got a broadcast, but be safe, be well with your family, and we'll talk soon. All right, good talking to you. Robert Ford, Houston Astros radio broadcaster with our guy, Steve Sparks, Sparksy. Five games. I mean, you really can make some hay either way in this series. I mean, that's just a reality. And I gave you the numbers of their bullpen, and they have not been playing well. And for the A's, I don't I don't think you would classify it that they haven't been playing well. They haven't been playing. Fair. That's very fair. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't that be the issue if you really looked at the deal with the A's is that they just they they haven't been playing. Yeah, the bullpen was doing so well and they were, you know, they were they were ramped up and ready to go, then you have a essentially a 6-day layoff. And then you have to ramp back up again. So, I mean, I can understand. That's why we've seen some, I guess, anomalies from what happened over the weekend with Petit and, and some of the guys out of the bullpen. But uh, I, I have all the faith in the world they're going to get back on track. Their bullpen has been unreal this year. Um, you know, we talk, we've talked about Liam and how well Jake Diekman's pitched and Lou Trevino's looking like him, himself from 2018. There's a lot of guys stepping up big for them. And I feel like they'll get it back on track. And if Houston could add Justin Verlander to their bullpen – if he came back, which it doesn't sound like after listening to what Robert said, it doesn't sound like Verlander's coming back. But if they added him to their bullpen, uh, that'd be scary. That'd be like the Nationals uh, just piggybacking with starters in the in the playoffs if the Astros make it. What did I originally say about Justin Verlander? You thought he was done this season? I'll believe that he's coming back when I see him on a mound pitching to actual hitters in a game. Until then, I'm not buying it. Doesn't it's kind of like the NFL. I believe the NFL will play when I see that ball kicked off. Was it Thursday they're supposed to play? Yep. Texans Chiefs, I think Thursday night is. I just Verlander, it's one of those de- I mean, and I and unfortunately. It was probably our last chance to see someone win three hundred games. I mean, without even a full season, that really put him in jeopardy of doing it. I mean, he had to be pretty lights out for a couple more years to, to you know, I, I know, Cody, you don't care about wins. Wins don't matter to you. But he was the last guy probably that had, had, a, had a real shot at 300 wins, and now that's just completely thrown out the door. Yeah, he's 226 career wins. He's 37 years old. He'll be 38 going into next season if it starts on time. So if he doesn't come back again at all this year, he'll have 226. So essentially he's going to need, what, another 70, 
74 wins to get to 300 over, you know, at 38 years old. I, I'd i like to see it. I'd like to see him be the last guy to join it because, you know, Granky's far behind and CC Sabathia retired last year. There's no one else really. I mean, Kershaw's in like, what, the 170s or so? So you still got a, a lot of guys behind. And, yeah, I, I would have liked to see it because, you know, I've seen guys that were in the tail ends of their career win 300, like Roger Clemens and, and Greg Maddox. But, you know, it would be cool to see – what Randy Johnson did it with the Giants, so I'd, I'd like I'd like to see a guy that I've watched pretty much my entire lifetime through his career win 300 games, but I I don't think it's going to happen with Verlander. I, I think AIDS is going to catch up to him more so than anything. And listening to Robert talk about how their new GM is, oh yeah, well okay, he's throwing off a mound. It's kind of fishy to me. I mean, that to me would be big news that. Justin Verlander is back throwing bullpens. Where is he throwing like, off the mound at the alternate site? Like he, like, or is he throwing off the mound in his backyard? Like, where is he throwing off the mound at? I'm just gonna Google Justin Verlander. So it's now Justin Verlander back to throwing off mound. This is according to Texas Sports Nation. I mean, is throwing to hitters? So it says Astros pitcher Justin Verlander threw off a mound late last week and was scheduled to do so again Sunday as attempts to determine if he will be ready to pitch before the end of the regular season, according to James Click. And they reference the interview by Robert Ford. Uh, okay. That kind of puts me in the, uh, AJ puck category, which still just, I shake my head and I just, it's just rough. I was literally just going to say that. Like we heard about AJ puck throwing off a mound and we found out today he's being shut down again. Correct. So now what's going to with Verlander? Are we going to find out in a couple days from the Houston media that, James Click and Dusty Baker said that, you know, Verlander's been shut down. Verlander's ramping up. He's pitching to hitters. Is he facing Altuve when Altuve's trying to get some swings and coming off the I.L.? I need to see something like that. I'm with you. I need to see something of substance saying that Verlander's actually pitching to uh, hitters and not throwing a simulated game or throwing off a mound in his backyard or something. I need to know he's actually facing live hitting to believe he's going to come back this year. You know, A.J. Puck getting back to it, I mean – he was shut down in early March. He's had since March to get back. When are we going to talk to David Force? Is that going to be Wednesday? I'm going to talk to him and see when he's available this week. But, yes, uh, we'll have him this week. So we'll have to, for sure, talk about A.J. Puck and see what's going on. I mean, think how many times now Bob Melvin's been asked about A.J. Puck. What's AJ doing? When's he going to come back? What's he going to be when he comes back? Okay, he could be a bullpen guy when he comes when he comes back. When he comes that's what we keep hearing. When he comes back. Well, he's not coming back. And the shoulder is not that's what's, you know, what is the injury? Why does he need to be shut down in a time where he could be a big-time threat for you. When you think of a guy that can come out of the bullpen and give you two, three really strong innings, dominant innings, 
that plays big in the postseason. And now we will not see that. I mean, it has to worry you as an A's fan about him and his, you know, and we'll talk to David about it, but it just scares you. Why can't this kid stay healthy? And you mentioned it earlier. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that come out and throw, you know, 99 miles an hour and they just look hell on wheels, but they can just not stay healthy. What do you do with players like that? And then it takes you back to, okay, long-term, what does this do? Long-term, does this turn into he can't be a starter? Does he have to be a reliever? Nowadays, I mean, it's very tough to be able to say you're just going to have a, you know, with so much versatility, you're just, it's tough going to be that, you know, hey, this is a guy that can only pitch once every three days. You know, you know, teams don't like the guy who can't go multiple days, who can just, he can go one day, then he needs two days rest. Teams just, they frown upon that. I mean, rooting for him. I mean, we've talked so much about him. I mean, think about that. We talked so much in spring training. We've been talking about it ever since. Lazardo and Puck, Lazardo and Puck, just the dominant lefties. Lazardo looks dominant at times. He also looks very hittable at times. And he also is not Mr. Durability. As we celebrated Mr. Durability yesterday, Cal Ripken, I taped the special. Did you see the special 25 years I knew on it, MLB Network? I didn't see it, but I knew like what was going I mean, I knew about of the day but I didn't get a chance to see the special. I'll, I'll probably go back and watch it at some point. Oh, you know the outcome? You know he does, You you know how it works out? Yeah, spoiler, I think he ends up breaking Lou Gehrig's record. I, I can't remember or not. Uh, my, my facts may be wrong, but I think it it happened. And, and, and you brought up uh, Puck. You know who's the guy that was a starter in the minor leagues that throws really hard and is a shutdown closer in Major League Baseball right now? That'd be Josh Hader. Hader used to be a starter, and they converted him into a reliever. And he's had a nice little career as a uh, multiple-inning reliever and closer, maybe that's the route you have to go with A.J. Puck. You have to tell him, like, hey, we think you could be great in stretches for us. The The idea of becoming a starter might be out of the realm of possibilities, and we want you to become a reliever because we're seeing it. Josh Hader do it very well for the Milwaukee Brewers. Well, let's ask Martin Gallegos. What does he think? From MLB.com, he'll join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Some things just go together peanut butter and jelly, cookies and milk, Oakland and Kaiser Permanente. If that last one caught you off guard, it shouldn't, because Kaiser Permanente has been helping keep Oakland healthy since our very beginning. And as the official healthcare partner of the Oakland A's, that won't be changing anytime soon. Whatever you may need, you can trust Kaiser Permanente to help keep you feeling your best. Kaiser Permanente, thrive. Visit kp.org today. Chevron and its brands are committed to reliably providing fuel to customers, even during an emergency. The safety and health of workers, customers, and the communities where Chevron operates are primary concerns. In Northern California, Chevron and Texaco stations are open for business, supplying quality fuels in a safe manner. COVID-19 is more than a health crisis. It's a financial crisis for many California families. 
In this moment, you shouldn't have to worry about keeping the lights on. That's why at PG&E, we want you to know about our programs to reduce bills for customers facing economic hardship, that we've suspended all disconnections because of non-payment, and we can help you save money by using less energy. To learn more, visit safetyactioncenter.pge.com. Mark Cannon was on A's Cast Live and discussed his role of Mr. Versatility for the green and gold. I take pride in it. I, I'm the type of person that likes the likes the challenge, and I like it's it's challenging to to bounce around and and be good at, at all those spots. And uh, I kind of just embrace that challenge and embrace that role. And as a and I know that the the team values that. So it's, you know, I'm happy to be in a place that the team that makes me valuable to the team and. It, to feel appreciated. I know that, that Bob loves that. I know the front office loves that. So that uh, it makes me happy that I can contribute in more than one way. To hear the full interview and much more, go to athletics.com slash podcasts. Right now, staying connected is more important than ever. And fast, reliable internet from Xfinity can help. We have plans to fit every budget with speeds up to a gig, all at Xfinity.com. We'll ship you a self-install kit on us to make setup quick, safe, and easy. No tech visit required. And our simple digital tools will help you manage your account online. At Xfinity, we're committed to keeping you connected. Find great offers and value today at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Hi, I'm Kathy Adams, president of the Oakland African American Chamber of Commerce. As the impact of COVID-19 grows, OAACC believes it is important that the African-American community hears directly from us in regards to mitigation efforts you may enact it to reduce the risk to your family and loved ones. Recent data reveals African-Americans are dying from COVID-19 at disproportionate rates than other groups. Experts cite diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, and lung disease as factors. It is imperative that we institute safeguard measures listed on the OAACC website. We will be conducting virtual forums with African-American experts sharing how we must conduct ourselves during this pandemic. OAACC has taken up the mantle to be caretakers for our community. Visit us at OAACC.org. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Hit to left field. Profar turning around, and that baby's gone. Way out of here. So Murphy's third home run of the year cuts into the Padres' lead a little bit. It's 5-3. to three. So that was the call of the game yesterday by Glenn Kuyper on NBC Sports California. For live streaming A's games, get... The My Teams app by NBC Sports, plus tons of A's articles, features, videos, and more. Download My Teams by NBC Sports now, the app for the authentic A's fan. Look at you, Cody. I actually enjoy doing the reads and the promo stuff. I, I, it makes me feel more important. <laughs> you're just a company guy. I mean, you're getting all this stuff in. Good for you. Yeah, well, I told you I like doing it. I don't mind it. Well, Martin Gallegos joins us as he does an incredible job uh, covering your Oakland Athletics for MLB.com. And and uh, we were talking about the news that you were breaking. You know, A.J. Puck, it's, I mean, how many times have we had to talk about this guy and about whether he's going to be available? And once again, they got to shut him down. I, 
this has to be really, really disappointing for the front office. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were expecting to get him back, uh, you know, for this stretch drive and he was, you know, already being kind of talked about as a big piece down the stretch as that bullpen guy who can go two or three innings. And now we find out today that he's probably going to see a doctor in the next couple of days, which you never want to hear um, shut down at this point. It doesn't look like he's going to come back in 2020. I mean, it'd be a long shot for him. Uh, and I'm assuming he's going to be shut down for, you know, at least, at least a week. So, um, it's just rough news for them on top of, you know, other stuff with Chapman and Simeon already going on. Yeah. I mean, because it's like, we talked about it and I want to say it was when the A's were overtaken on the Chicago White Sox. Remember when he was shut down in spring training, it's been like six months for him to get healthy and he's still not healthy. Yeah. You know, and, and we talked to him when he got back, you know, for summer camp and it, it seemed like you know, those, those lingering issues were a thing of the past. He was talking to us about how he, he was back home uh, throwing without limitations. And it looked like everything was going, going fine. He was going to be a member of the rotation. And then just a couple of days before opening day, you know, we get the news that he's, you know, been shut down again. So um, it's got to be frustrating for him. I mean, I can't imagine what he's going through. I mean, last year, you know, he, he was supposed to be, you know, kind of, you know, warming up for what was going to be a great 2020 for him in, in that rotation with him and Luzardo. And, uh, we've seen Luzardo come up and kind of make his impact now, but for AJ Puck, I mean, the way it looks, he might have to wait even another year just to even try to make that impact. Do we see Marcus Simeon during this Astros series? It sounds like it. Um, Bob Melvin told us he was taking batting practice today uh, with the group on the field, so that's that's positive. That means he's pretty close. I wouldn't be surprised if he's even maybe available to come off the bench maybe tonight, but definitely at some point in this you know five games, you'll see him, I think, in there back in the starting lineup, which, I mean, they could use, obviously. Matt Chapman, uh, it, it was it was shocking how bad it got so fast to where, I mean, he's swinging and through pitches right down the middle. And when you start striking out five times in a game, and you're like, um, I, I, I guess I wasn't expecting to hear hip. But I guess to me, after that concussion, that might be a good thing that we go, it's the hip and it's not a lingering effect from the concussion. Yeah, you know, those head injuries are always a scary thing. I mean, that can be, you know, devastating. So, I mean, a hip isn't that great either, but at least it's it's not the head stuff. But, um, you know, Matt Chapman's a guy who, who plays through a lot of stuff. I mean, in the time that I've been here with this team, I know for a fact he's been playing through, you know, some tough things, but he never, you know, wants a day off. So I think it's more of a situation where the A's kind of, have to rein him back in and tell him, hey, you know, you, you can't go on like this. Um, it got to a point where obviously last night or like yesterday he got pulled out of the game and um, he's going to need some time off here. They're, they're not expecting to put him on the injured list as of right now, um, but they're going to be very cautious with him. And, you know, it sounds like the way Bob was talking to us today, it sounds like he might not play at all in this series, which obviously is tough because it's arguably the biggest series of the season right now with this with this stretch. So what do they do at third, did Bob say? I think it's more day to day. You saw Lestella in there today. I think they'll go with, you know, whoever represents the best matchup. Uh, they got a lot of righties coming up. So I would expect to see Lestella um, there a lot. We'll see how he does there today. Uh, Be my own machine has been doing a pretty good job at short and third base on the defensive side. And it looks like he's getting a little bit more comfortable at the plate as he's getting consistent playing time here a little bit more. Um, you could obviously see Chad Pinder there if there's a lefty. Um, they feel good about him at that, at that spot as well. So probably somewhere between machine uh, Pinder and Lestella in, in Chapman's absence, which, you know, you hope it isn't too long that he's out. Well, one really good news for the offense is Matt Olson as he's reached base safely in eight of his last 12 appearances, four singles, one triple, three walks. So 
What have you seen with him getting back on track? You know, we actually talked to him earlier today, and I think that that break that they had might have been good for him. He, he was saying he looked at it as kind of like an all-star break to kind of, you know, just reset at the plate. You know, he, he hasn't had – the numbers haven't been great as far as the batting average, obviously, but, I mean, he's hitting bombs, and he's, he's drawing a lot of walks. And you saw that first game, he dropped three walks. I, that, that obviously is going to do a lot of confidence for you when you haven't played in almost a week to go up there and sh- show that good of an eye and, and take those walks. So the next day, three hits. So um, he looks like like he's refreshed, kind of hit the reset button at the plate. And, you know, he's, he's getting a lot of hits right now and, and manufacturing, you know, runs with stuff other than just the home run, which we were seeing early on. You, can, you saw him hit the triple the other day, his first career triple. And um, he's, he's finding a way to get, to get uh, drive-in runs other than the home run, which is good to see. And you've seen a guy like Lestella. He's been kind of the guy who has been on base for him to drive him in. So that's obviously showing like a good pickup as well. Yeah, he's going to join, uh, join us a little later here on A's Cast Live as it's just, you know, a, a team that is so feast or famine, home runs, strikeouts. I, what has that been like for you to put a guy like Listella into the lineup where he's not striking out, he's moving the line, and he's going to get a lot of hits for you? Yeah, I think, I mean, that was a perfect move for them. I mean, when you look at the, the makeup, the construction of this lineup, um, with so many strikeout guys, you need a guy like that who can make contact. I mean, the lowest uh, strikeout rate in the league, I mean, that you can't ask for more than that. He constantly is able to put the bat on the ball, and that's that's going to be great, especially down the stretch in close games and especially in the playoffs. I mean, when they need to manufacture runs, you've seen the last two years in that wild card game, they just can't find a way to move guys over. It's just t- tough for them. You know, they're relying on the home run so much. And to bring in a guy who – can do stuff other than hit home runs. He can do the small things, move runners over. Um, he won't strike out ever, it seems like. I mean, he's only struck out once since he joined the A's. And, um, you know, that's going to be valuable. A guy in that number two spot, I think it's perfect for him there because he kind of, like I said, sets the table for all those big guys. And I look at the guy who's on the mound tonight, and it's just been kind of a mystery. Like the first four starts for Frankie Montas, he had a 1.57 ERA. His last three starts, he has a 16.76 ERA. What is going on with Frankie? Well, they actually, if you, if they actually are pitching Bassett today, um, they actually switched it. It was actually a mistake by the A's, I guess they said they told us so. But yeah, Frankie's been tough. He's been struggling. Um, there's no doubt about it. Um, and he's going to pitch tomorrow on that doubleheader. It sounds like it'll be Bassett tonight. But I mean, Frankie, this is a big. This is going to be a big game for him tomorrow. I mean, the last time he, he was pitching well. I think he threw seven shutout innings against the Astros. So, um, you know, maybe maybe a rekindling of that. I was at the Coliseum as well. Um, definitely on the road. It's been a, it's been you know a lot of issues for him. So, um, you know, he, he's looking to right the ship. Maybe in a in a 162 game season, you don't really look at a, a tough three game period like this as too much of an alarming thing. But as we're getting down the stretch here and only three weeks left, I mean, there's got to be some showing of a of an improvement here. Obviously, um, they went out and got Mike Miner to kind of you know. Add, a, add another piece there in case one of these guys can't turn things around. We've seen Sean Manaya on, on a nice little roll here after an early uh, stretch of struggles. And now it's time for Frankie to kind of get things back on track here. And, you know, I think it would be good for him that he's pitching at the Coliseum for sure, because I think this is a good spot for anybody to kind of get things back on track. By the way, how's it been at the Coliseum? Because, you know, let all the fans know, we have not been there. A's cast live, A's cast, uh, Commander and I have uh, – He's at his apartment in San Jose. I'm at my house in San Jose. And uh, Robert Costa and Scott Pastorino are per, uh, 
two of our producers, they've been hanging out over at Oracle Arena. So we haven't been there. What's it been like? It's weird. I mean, um, you know, obviously there's no fans. The cutouts are there, but um, it's basically just the media people who are allowed in and, and that's it. Um, it's weird not hearing, you know, the, the beat of the drums. I'm, I'm so used to, you know, being showing up and hearing, you know, those those guys in the bleachers, you know, going crazy, especially for a series like this. This is this is where you're going to miss it the most because you knew it was going to be an electric atmosphere for, you know, the series when the Astros come into town. But I mean, it's been weird. As you see, I'm not even there yet. I, I usually am used to getting there around two or three hours before the game. And, you know, now we show up basically, I mean, 30 minutes before first pitch because there's really no reason for us to be there that early anymore. Um, so it's, it's kind of tough. But, um, you know, I can't imagine how it is in other ballparks. But I know for us, it's been a weird, a weird adjustment for sure. So do they like take your temperature? I mean, what do they do before they allow you in? Yeah. Um, so you go through a security checkpoint. They ask you if you have any symptoms um, and they check your temperature, which that to me is still hasn't gotten normal. And I don't think it'll ever be normal. Um, having a, you know, a thermometer on your forehead. It's just, it's a weird kind of a uneasy feeling, you know, even if you're feeling good, you still are like kind of leery of it. So um, I, I haven't gotten used to it. I'm sure none of the writers have gotten used to it, but it's just something we all have to deal with the broadcasters and everything. Um, so once you walk in, you just basically go straight to, you know, the press box, which has kind of been set up on the lower level, uh, the 100 section, somewhere behind on plate. Um, we get a we get a lunch provided by by the A's, which is nice. Uh, they get they get us a lunch every game, so we don't have to bring food from the outside. Um, but yeah, it's weird. I mean, we can only we can only stay a certain amount of time after the game before we get kicked out. So it's all very controlled. Not not a whole lot of uh, uh, freedom as 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 we're used to in in years past. Yeah, if there was if there was ever going to be a team that was going to benefit from this, it was going to be the Houston Astros because you can just imagine what all these series, like the series down in Anaheim would have been like, uh, the series here in Oakland at the start of the year, what that would have been like with fans. And, you know, because when we talked to Richard Justice from MLB.com, he talked about how they looked worn out in spring training from all the questions and being called cheaters and you know, it's like now we don't even really think about that and no one's really like hounding them about that. I mean, it's like it's it's just it, it, it they they really got off. I hate to say that, but because of COVID-19, they really got off. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, so many things happened after that, that it's kind of an afterthought. I, I forget about it now until the series came up. I haven't even thought about it anymore. Um, you know, has it affected? It's definitely I think it's affected them on the field. I mean, you see some of their their numbers. Um, you know, they haven't been, they haven't been too great. They're starting to hit better now, but I mean, they've been dealing with so many injuries as well. So that's a factor, but I mean, you saw these guys get off to a slow start. Altuve was off to a terrible start. Um, the blade. So I think some of that stuff from spring training kind of wore on them. I mean, the constant, you know, be, uh, heckling and, and, and pressuring from media every day about answering questions about what happened. I think it no doubt is taking their effect. I mean, this isn't the same Astros team that we're used to seeing. Um, every year and you know injuries do have a part to play in that um, you know Berlander and Cole being out is obviously a huge thing for them um, but I, I can I just looking at the team it doesn't feel like the way it felt the past even last year you know when the A's were set to play the Astros it was kind of like oh man here we go again we got to face this team now it's like you know the, the level the playing field is definitely leveled and the A's feel like you know there's not really much difference um, between the talent levels there they, they feel like they're a better team. Well, the last time we saw these two teams at the Coliseum, Ramon Laureano was trying to take on the entire Astros team. Uh, I absolutely loved it. I, I, I mean, it shows you the fight that this guy has. 
and it really shows you how the A's feel about the Astros. And now they're playing each other for five games. You you, you expect any uh you expect any fireworks between these two teams in the next five games? I mean, it'll be interesting. You know, anytime you you play each other for that long, obviously you're gonna you know there's there could be some uh some flare ups there. Uh, the last series, it kind of was a different vibe in, in Houston because of, you know, everything going on with the protests and showing solidarity. Um, it, it kind of wasn't there. Now, Centrone, I, I believe, is still not back. So maybe that kind of, uh, you know, temper, maybe the tempers are kind of more, you know, even keeled because of that. Um, but there's no doubt. I mean, you look at, you know, the standings right now. I mean, this, this series has major implications in terms of who's going to win this division. Um, whoever, whoever takes control of the series could could win the division so it's definitely i think the uh emotions have a have a chance to flare for sure i mean any any type of uh um close play um could spark anything i feel like so let's end on this because this is going to be a wild ride you're going to deal with the five games with houston and then you're going to have to go to texas and take on the rangers and there's going to be another double header then you got to fly to seattle for one day and play a double header and then you got to go to Coors Field, which is a nightmare. What do you think the A's are going to look like on September 17th when they have that day off? I mean, I, I can I can assure you they can't wait for that day um, because it's going to be, I mean, a lot of games in, in a short amount of time. Um, and you already see, we're already seeing injuries creep up here. Um, so I know they can't wait for that day off, but I mean, I think they're they're built to handle it. I mean, a lot of them looked at this this you know long stretch that they had off quarantining in Houston as kind of a reset button. Um, it was kind of like an all star break for them. That's that's how they're the mentality that they're taking with it is it was an all star break and now you know we can kind of refresh and I like I like that approach. I mean that, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. It's probably the best way you can look at it. Um, obviously, it's never good to get that many days off. You saw that first game against San Diego. The bat the offense was just you know completely off. It seemed like. Um, and the next game they bounce back. That's one thing that they do well always is bounce back from a tough loss. So um, I wouldn't I wouldn't think that they're too tired because they had that stretch. Um, if if they were if they had that coming up and they didn't get any time off, then I think it'd be a different story. But more obviously, you know, right now the concern is with Chapman. How long is he going to be out? But it looks like you're getting Simeon back, and it looks like they'll be you know with the exception of Chapman, pretty healthy. And they can get through the stretch, I think, um, and and play play at their best. I mean, they're they're going to have to play at their best. Hey, it's good to see, you, and I love the uh, the the playoff beard is in uh, full effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I won't shave until the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy, we're following you on Twitter and reading you MLB.com. Keep up the great work, and we'll talk soon. All right, thanks, Tony. Anytime. Martin Gallegos doing a great job covering the Athletics. How strong is that beard, Cody? It's coming in well for a guy that – well, I shaved most of mine off. I have the the biker goatee going right now. It's, it's fitting because I'm going home, so I look just like my dad now, and I'm going to see him for the first time in a year. But Martin's beard's coming in strong. I mean, I, I've been wanting you to grow a beard, but it's just – you just won't do it. I'm not, I'm not man enough to grow a beard. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to accept who you are, and it's just a bad look. I just, it doesn't come in fully. I, I have to accept that. I can't do a goatee. It's just, I don't know what to do. The hair looks good, though. That's that's the good thing. Your hair The lo- mullet is in full effect. There's no question. Yeah, that, that's, uh, I want it to get so long that you can do the Charlie Blackman. Have you seen how he does his hair? 
He keeps it really short on the top, and he shaves the sides, and then the back is just really long. So the hair is flowing through the back of his hat. Then it looks like he's shaved the side of his head, and then the top is really short. Now I'm going. I'm going. I'm. I'm. I'm letting it just all grow at the same time. No shaving. It's just going to be all one length. Coming up next here on A's Cast Live, we lost a legend. And when you look at this guy's numbers, he was pretty incredible. We'll go over it next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. You know it is dramatically different about the game of baseball is stolen bases. And yesterday, it actually happened during our program. We got word that the great Lou Brock, the Hall of Famer, had passed away. And obviously very, very sad. But, you know, celebrate the life. He's 81. He was 81 years old. He lived a great life. And 3,023 hits. 938 stolen bases was that was the record at the time. I mean, you just look at his accomplishments, a two-time World Series champion, eight-time National League stolen base leader, most importantly, two-time World Series champion, six-time All-Star, uh, voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1985. And Cardinal Hall of Fame, they retired his number. I mean, he had an unbelievable career. You're just not nickname, by the way, the original Rocket, by the way. Cody, you just think the Rocket is Roger Clemens. Lou Brock was the original Rocket. When I think of Lou Brock, I don't I I don't I think of the stolen bases first because you know the nine the nine thirty eight, then Ricky ended up breaking it, you know, back in what, nineteen ninety? I want to say it was, or 91. I can't remember the year exactly, but he broke it 939 against the Yankees at, at uh, the Coliseum. But I, I just remember him for the, the trade. The uh, Was it Eddie uh, Brolio for Brock? There was like six guys total, and that's that was like the original like first lopsided trade in baseball history where you saw Lou Brock go from the Cubs to the Cardinals, and, you know, it's the Brock for Brolio, Brolio trade. So I think of him for the stolen bases and then that trade, and he was a great player. You mentioned he had 3,000 career hits. He had a two. A, he was a career 293 hitter. He had 900 RBIs. He scored an incredible 1610 runs. He had an OPS plus of 109. He had a very, very good career. And it, it's sad to say that he passed away at 81. But you're right. It's a celebration of life in a way because he was 81 years old. And then we had the passing of Tom Seaver last week. So, you know, we saw two baseball legends gone too soon in, in a matter of what a couple of days. Well, and. You look at his career and, you know, you can bring Ricky Henderson into the conversation. You're just not, I don't think ever going to see guys like that again. You're not going to see guys who have the green light to go whenever they want to go. I mean, when you start looking at these guys' statistics, I mean, they're stunning. I mean, Lou Brock, score, he, he, he stole 938 bases, but he was caught 307 times. 
Ricky Henderson is your all-time leader. He was caught 335 times. The bottom line is no front office is going to allow a guy to do that. They're not going to allow you to run them out of innings. So we view it historically like, oh, it's greatness. Front offices today go, not efficient. Now, the year Ricky stole 130 bags, he was also thrown out 42 times. And everybody bragged about the Ricky run, right? Walk, steal, steal, you know, get home on like a sack fly or whatever. But front offices would bring you data and they would show you that a player like that today is not efficient. And I know some people would think that's crazy. But when you're getting thrown out that much, yeah, you're stealing bags, but you're also getting thrown out a lot. And, you know, there's these general managers today would be like, no, you don't have the green light. You can't go whenever whenever you want to go, you just can't go. What's the point of stealing third? You're already in scoring position. And I can just see the argument. I can just see the argument that they would have for you. Look how many times you're thrown out at second. You cost an out, and then you don't, you don't, you, you, you don't keep the line moving, and you don't, you don't end up scoring runs. And now, what everybody, the data shows that you want to have crooked innings. You want to score more than just one run. You want to score multiple runs. You want to have these innings of multiple runs. And getting caught at second base or third base just kind of shuts it down. So I don't know. I, Cody, I, I don't think we're ever going to see another Lou Brock or Ricky Henderson or somebody that's going to be, you want to go anytime you want, and you're going to have around 1,000 stolen bases? Uh, that's just not happening. The leader in Major League Baseball last year in stolen bases was Malik Smith from the Seattle Mariners. He stole 46 bags. Malik Smith, yes, exactly. Oh. 46 steals last year for the Mariners, which is great. The Rangers led all baseball in steals, I think, last year with like 137. Go back, Going back to Malik Smith for a second, 46 steals last year for the Mariners. Lou Brock, 12 times his career, stole 50 bases or more. Think about that for a second. 12 times, 50 more bags. The league leader last year had 46 for a bad Seattle Mariners team. Lou Brock was playing on good teams in St. Louis. It's not like they were, he was playing on a bad team. So, again, it's just it's it's crazy to think that how fast the stolen base has been phased out in baseball. Uh, as someone that embraces the new age analytics and everything, I still like the stolen base. I'm not one of those people that that, that gets mad when a guy, a guy gets thrown out. I like the aggressiveness on the base pass because how many times have we seen really poor base running blunders and errors on the on the field anymore recently? It, it's so bad. I saw it earlier in the Phillies Mets game where Andrew Knapp, the backup catcher for the the Phillies was trying to score from first on a ball that was hitting to the right field, and he put his head down and wasn't paying attention to third base coach and got thrown out, got caught in the run down and got thrown out. The, the, these, these elite base runners like, like Lou Brock and Ricky and, you know, the guys even, you know, that we've seen recently, the guys like D. Gordon and Billy Hamilton, they're nothing like 
those guys were back in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. And we're never going to see guys like that again. People forget Barry Bonds was a great base stealer too before he became Super Barry. And Mike Trout was still in bases earlier in his career. And then the only guy you can look at as a good power hitter and a good base stealer will be Ronald Acuna Jr. And I think he has four stolen bases this year when he had a threat to be a 40-40 guy last year. So the stolen base has been phased out rather too much for my liking as someone that embraces the new age stuff. But I, I don't think we'll ever see guys stealing 50 bags. In it, or, you know, 50, 50, it seems to be like a number that's hard to even come come across anymore. And it's I don't think we're going to see the – 100 stolen bases in a year kind of guys like Lou Brock and Ricky have done. So uh, I don't think we're going to see that ever again. Yeah, 100 stolen bases, that ain't going to happen. I mean, can you – I mean, just think about the front offices. If you went out there and you got thrown out, you know, two, three times in a row, they'd be flipping out. I mean, these guys, these guys literally, Ricky Henderson and Lou Brock had a green light. Whenever you want to go, go. And, I mean, what if you got thrown out like five times in a row right now? They'd be flipping out. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it was, it, it was a fun part of the game where you got a guy on first, you know he's going to go. Everybody in the ballpark knows he's going to go. And then for him to do that and be successful was pretty electric because the stolen base is about athleticism. Now, obviously, the numbers show it's not a smart play. But in the end, that was kind of, you know, a fun part of the game showing great athleticism and we just we're not going to really see it i mean it's weird when i don't say it's weird when it happens now but it's just not it's just different you know when a guy you know we'll see like there was who was it yesterday i don't have my notes in front of me but you know who was a you know somebody from the padres yesterday stole second base with a runner on third base it just doesn't have the feel of what the old school stolen base really meant to the game of baseball. Wasn't that Eric Hosmer that did that yesterday? Was it high? I know mean, somebody. Yeah, I think it was Hosmer that stole second because, yeah, Krona, oh, was it yesterday? I thought it, okay, so they got, it might have been uh, Saturday then. Krona War stole, stole third, and then it was Trent Grisham that stole second yesterday. So that's who it was. Did you, did you hear uh, the postgame show, the um... – Mike Fires, Butcher Cronenworth's name is like, yeah, whoever that guy is. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. So yeah, I was, I had, I lost my train of thought about uh, the base ceiling, but I know we have Tommy Lastella to play, but it's it just, it's just crazy to think that how fast the stolen bases is, is has been phased out in Major League Baseball. Like, it's kind of unfortunate because the guys. You watch Major League, the movie. That's what I was trying to get to. You watch Major League, the movie, for Willie Mays Hayes stealing bases. A kid turning the game, that movie on now will go, what, why is that guy stealing so many bases? Why is he tight, putting all those batting gloves up on his wall? They don't steal bases in baseball anymore. Oh, I forgot. We got to get to Tommy Lastella because we're down at 5 o'clock. All right, earlier today, the new infielder. He's going to be playing third base today, uh, but going to be playing a lot of second base for the athletics. Here is my conversation with Tommy Lastella.
Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, it's a lot better to have him on the team versus playing against him because you know, A's fans, how much he wore you out over the years. Tommy Lestella joins us here. Tommy, it's great to have you on the ball club. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Chris. And I'm serious. You know, over the years, you know, whether it was you, I mean, obviously Mike Trout, uh, it's great to have you on the ball club. And it's so interesting to watch people get traded in division for you battling the A's. What is it now like to join the A's? Uh, it's definitely nice being on the other side for a change. I'll say that much. Uh, you know, usually getting it handed to us, unfortunately, on the other side in Anaheim by the A's. Um, so it's nice to come over and, and be on the other side. You've got a great lineup, one through nine. Pitching staff's outstanding, obviously. So it's uh, it's fun to be a part of. You know, you joined the ball club at obviously a really tough time. I mean, for all of you and for all of us that have been in baseball for many, many years, we've never had a year like this. And you end up going and joining the A's in Houston, right as Daniel Mangan tests positive. And now, you know, you're in this COVID kind of lockdown. What was that like for you traveling getting to Houston and then really being on lockdown? Uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely a little chaotic um, for everybody, obviously. Um, but I think going into the season, we knew it was going to be different. There were going to be certain risks involved. And um, so it was unfortunate that it happened. Uh, I guess, you know, if you're looking around the league at the other uh, incidents that have taken place, we, we kind of got off easy with, you know, whatever it was, a five or six day layoff. Some teams had it way worse. Um, but, yeah, it, was, it definitely threw a wrench into things, and it's a difficult time, but it's a great group, and they've been together for a while. So, you know, guys are figuring ways to get through it. And and I got to think, you got to be super excited, right? I mean, here you got an opportunity. You know, when you joined the A's before the layoff, the A's had the best record in the American League. I mean, now you're going, you're going from a situation to where uh, – the odds of the Angels making the playoffs are pretty slim, and the fact that now you got to be you get to be on one of the best teams in the American League. What's that like for you as a professional? Yeah, it was great. You know, coming down to the deadline, you don't really know what to expect, and you know, especially this year with the uh, expanded playoffs, it, it really could have been anywhere. It seems like you know most teams are, are contending for a spot, so end up here in Oakland on on a winning team and like you said at the time with the best record in the uh, in the league was uh, pretty fortunate and um, you know having played against these guys a decent amount over the last couple of years it was uh, it was nice nice to join the club and you've been around some pretty good clubs I mean obviously you're around the the Chicago Cubs when they won the title I mean what gives you that kind of hope that what you see with this Oakland roster that you say this team really has a puncher's chance to win the championship? I, I think, you know, they've been around and played together for a little while, which I think is important. The chemistry aspect of it, guys genuinely like being around each other. They get along. They all pull for each other. That's huge. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, having played in the playoffs and gotten that experience um, is invaluable going into those, those next years. And, um, being there, uh, getting your feet wet and, you know, knowing that, that the moment's not too big is, uh, is important going forward. You know, I think about, the, you know, your skill set when the trade went down, I talked about Jed Lauer, you played against Jed and, and Jed was a terrific a, and there was something about Jed being at the top of the order, making a lot of contact, putting the ball in play, getting a lot of hits. 
And I said, really, you're the first kind of guy we've had since Jed Lowry who does that. So when you think about yourself, you don't strike out. You make a lot of contact. Past couple of day, games have been great. But just, ha- you know, think about yourself in this lineup, a lineup that has a lot of power, a lot of strikeouts, but that's not what you do. You put the ball in play. How do you think you help this lineup? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to be a part of. You know, one through nine is, uh, you know, just being on the other side of the ball. You know they're always going to be putting together tough at-bats and, uh, it's going to be a, re- uh, a really difficult game. So, <clears throat> you know, any way I can fit in is, you know, is how I'm looking to do it. But um, like you said, it's it's nice to know that there are plenty of guys capable in the lineup and I can just do my thing and hopefully set the table for the rest of the guys throughout the lineup. Let's end on this. Obviously a very different year and you're playing against essentially all the teams on the West and the two Texas teams in Houston and the Texas Rangers. But everybody else, you just dealt with the Padres. You'll have the you'll have the Rockies coming up here. You're going to have the Dodgers coming up here. Just what has this been like for you as a player to where you're not playing central teams, you're not playing East Coast teams, you're only really dealing with the, the West and the two teams in Texas? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a little unusual. Uh, certainly, you feel like you're just kind of running through the same teams over and over getting very familiar um i guess that's one side of it um but yeah you know by that you know i guess by that thinking we should be familiar on both sides and uh whoever's going to make their adjustments better should come out on top and i know we got uh you know a difficult schedule coming up but i'm sure we'll rise to it hey tommy you appreciate the time here on ace cast live and of course here on ace total access our pregame show and it's great to have you a part of the ball club good luck to you be safe and uh, hopefully at some point we'll be able to meet face-to-face. But uh, it's great having you with the A's and uh, really looking forward to the, the next 23 games. That's it. And then, of course, a run in the postseason. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, Chris. How about that? A little Tommy Listella. I, 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 I firmly believe a great pickup. The, the type of guy this lineup really needed. Somebody who makes contact. I mean, you saw it yesterday. Somebody that's getting on base. I mean, it just gets, uh, if you just have a bunch of people that are all the same guy and it's just home runs, walks, and strikeouts, it's not, it's not good for your lineup. You need people who make contact. You need people who put the ball in play. For some reason, I don't know. You know, Cody doesn't doesn't appreciate people who actually can put the bat on the ball on a consistent basis. You know, the name of the game. Batting average doesn't matter. Well, why? I, I don't know, man. I think I'll take Fernando Tatis's batting average and power. I think I'll take Mike Trout's batting average and power. It means they're productive. They're productive on a consistent basis. The higher your batting average, the more productive of a player you are. Tell me how Joey Gallo's now doing. Remember how great Joey Gallo was? Well, now now he is back to hitting under two hundred. Yeah, they're also he's not that productive. They're also three and seventeen in their last twenty games since the Fernando Tatis uh, 3-0, uh, 3-0 grand slam. That's how bad the Rangers have been. But yeah, you're right. And we but heard does that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, 
when you put the ball in play and you hit it where the defenders aren't, you're a more productive player. No, I agree. Hello. And I think of somebody who I guarantee Glenn Kuyper had an unbelievable batting average. I guarantee <laughs> he was that guy. In Little League. I, I, I mean, it drives me nuts when people say batting average doesn't matter. And I go, what are, what are you talking about? You're a more productive player the higher your batting average is. It's, it's, it's the bottom line. I absolutely agree with you. Unless you're hitting a lot, a lot of homers, and the A's have one of those guys in Matt Olson with a low batting average, but a lot of home runs, you better be hitting a bunch of homers if you got a low batting average. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I like to see 280, 290, uh, but you can get away with it if, you, if you're hitting the ball over the fence. How are you doing, by the way? It's been a while since we've talked, and uh, last time we talked, you were getting ready to figure out what this was going to be like, uh, calling games from uh, from a television screen. How's it been for you? Um, you know what? It's been fine. I mean, the home games are obviously a little little more fun because you're, you, you have the game in front of you. Uh, the road games have been interesting. Um, you know, you're just not there, you know, it's just, you're just sort of sitting around and then all of a sudden, boom, the game starts. So, but, but as far as a technical standpoint, it's, it's really been fine. You know, I, I hope, I hope it hasn't been an issue for our, our people who are watching at home. I don't think it has been. Um, but you know what, Tony, what you really miss is you just miss little things. You miss going down to the clubhouse. You miss going to the field to watch batting practice. You miss talking to the guys. You miss talking to, to Bob Melvin. You miss stopping in Boos's office and sitting down. You know, it's just all those little things that, that uh, you know, you just, you, man, you just, you just wish you could do them, but you can't. We sort of have to get out of our car and we go into a separate entrance and we come up to the booth and that's about it. So we don't go downstairs at all. Um, but outside of that, you know, technically TV standpoint, it's been fine. It's been fine. And, uh, and listen, they're, they're a really good team. So that helps as well. Well, I got to tell you, you know, you obviously Ray Dallas, Delaire, you guys have done a great job. It's like, it's, it's like, I'll be sitting on my couch watching it and, and I don't know that you guys aren't in the same booth together. I don't know that there's, you know, there's, you're, you're just, we're kind of used to no fans and, and the way you guys do the broadcast, it's, it, it, I guess the best compliment I could give you guys is that it just seems like a normal broadcast. It doesn't seem different. Well, that, that is this year. That is the best compliment you could give us. I mean, cause you know, we were worried about that obviously before we got going on this. Um, cause you really do want it to seem as normal as possible for people sitting at home because they're used to that and you just don't want them thinking that it's different. So, you know, I, I'm glad you feel that way. And I, and I hope everybody feels that way. And we, you know, when we, we try to, to, to make it as normal as possible. Um, and you know what, listen, we have fun too, you know, Ray and Dallas and I, we try to have a good time. The, the crew is great. Um, you know, so, you know, all that helps, but uh, we do try really hard to, to make it look as normal as possible. Um, you know, Ray's right next to me. There's a window between us, but, uh, you know, that, that doesn't really slow us down. And t- tonight Dallas is, is in the booth next door. So uh, listen, it, it's, it's still a ball game. It's still an ace game. It's still pretty fun. It's still a pretty good job. So, um, you know, we don't worry too much about the, all the other stuff that we can't really control or things that we can't do this year. 
uh, we're just trying to have fun for two months. And you think about this series, you know, the last time we saw these two teams at the Coliseum, uh, obviously you were saying that these teams don't love each other. Uh, it was a different, it was a whole different deal with social injustice and everything in Houston. But I think now that they get back to the Coliseum, it, I think it can get back to these two teams don't like each other and they're playing each other for five games. You think we see some fireworks well, yeah. in this series? No, nah, you know, I don't know. I, I Listen, I think it's to the point now we got three weeks left in this season. Uh, I, yeah, you are going to get sick of the other team when you play five times in four games. There's no doubt about that. I don't know that we'll see fireworks. Um, but I do know it's, it's an interesting series because, you know, if you're the A's, you can, you can pretty much bury the Astros if, if you have a good series here. And if you're the Astros, you're thinking, hey, this is our shot to, to, to close this gap, maybe get to one out or something like that. I think it's three and a half right now. So, so that makes it certainly interesting. But, you know, too, Tony, in the big picture, both these teams are going to be in the postseason. Uh, and, and, and you know what's kind of funny is, you know, I was looking today – and I think I saw the A's as the third seed and the Astros as the sixth seed. Well, that tells me that they would play in a three-game series if the season ended right now. So that's something else to think about, right? I mean, these there's a decent chance they may see each other uh, come postseason. So, uh, you know, both teams banged up a little bit, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's always fun when these two teams play. I, I, I love it because there's so much talent on the field, and you know you're watching two really good teams play. Well, and they got a bunch of guys uh, that are coming out of the bullpen you've never heard of. I don't know how much you uh, read up on your Quad City River Bandits from last year to figure out who some of these guys are. <laughs> well, and I mean, and it's yeah, I mean, it's a bunch of rookies, but but then they put two more guys on the injury list today, two more relievers. So you know, the Astros are just yeah, they they deserve some credit. They're they're sort of hanging on with Zach Granke and a bunch of rookies. Uh, McCullers is on the injured list now. Of course, Verlander's out. So, you know, Dusty's, Dusty's trying to, to hold this group together. Uh, you know, no Breichman, no Altuve, no Alvarez, the rookie of the year last year. So their lineup is different. Um, so, I, I, you know, I think, Tony, you know, if you're the Astros and if you're the A's and you know you're going to be in the postseason, I think you, you want to win, obviously. But I think you got to – you also have to keep in mind, let's make sure we can get everybody back or everybody who has a chance to come back Let's make sure we can get them fully healthy and get them back, uh, you know, in a couple weeks. Um, I think that's probably what both these teams are thinking about um, a lot as well, because just listen, it, it really is all about the postseason, right? And, and you have, you know, that you're probably going to get there. You know, you, you, you had the day off on Saturday and they had the national game and they brought up something that I haven't even thought of. And I thought it was pretty fascinating, you know, after the first round where, you know, you can potentially host or go on the road yeah. for the first series, after that, if they're going to go to these bubbles, there's going to be no home field advantage. These are neutral sites. It's American League teams playing in Dodger Stadium and Petco Park, and it's National League teams in Houston and yeah. L.A. And I, I know they're seeding, but for the most part, everybody's going to be good. It's just going it, to – that that guy, I was like, wow, did, does it really matter if you're the two seed or the four seed? I mean, yeah. you're at a neutral site. Yeah, I think you know. I think that's a that's a, a good call, and and that's what may and it's it's so different this year. But that, I'm looking at it like, well, to me, it may not it may not be fair, 
if you're one of the better teams, right? Because you're really not going to have much home field advantage. Um, but I'm just trying to look at it like, hey, I mean, it really, really, it's what makes it interesting, right? I mean, I mean, the Yankees are the eighth seed right now, right? I mean, yeah. I don't care how banged up they are. Does anybody want to play Garrett Cole and the Yankees? You know, so there's so many different ways to look at it. But I do think that after this three-game series in the first round, I do think they are going to go to a bubble. I think it's probably the right thing to do. Um, and you're right. The only home field advantage you have if you're the home team is you bat last. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a, it's a crazy year, Tony, so why should uh, the postseason be any different? But I think if if you could just look at it this year as – sort of a special year, a different year. I think the postseason could really, really be a lot of fun. I mean, think about those those three days of 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 this, this first round series where you're gonna have eight best of three series. I mean, that's locked down. I'm watching every game T V, right? I mean, that has a chance to be super fun. Will you guys have the first series? No, 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 we don't get any of it. They the big boys pay too much money national TV, so they they they're not giving any of it. I wish I wish we could, but um, no. I, I I'm a fan all year, and then I turn into an even bigger fan, you know, like yelling at the TV fan when the postseason comes. So I I I'm looking forward to it. I know some people are not into it, but I I, I think that once we see it. And we actually yeah. see a tournament. I mean, we love tournaments. American sports fans love tournaments, and we're finally going to yeah. have like a real tournament. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's going to be really fun. I do. I, uh, I'm looking forward to it too. And, and you know, you're going to have you know our team's going to be in it, so you got you got a real something to really pull for. But I'm just looking forward to to the whole deal. See how it works. You know, it's not the same, but. I'm going in with a good attitude like you, Tony. I think it's going to be super fun, and I'm looking forward to it. Let's end on this. How how, how are my Packers going to be this year? Uh, I'm going to say 11-5. and five. I'm going to give them a division, and like they seem to do every year, they win one, one playoff game, and then they lose the next playoff game. So coming from a Packer fan for over 50 years, that's, I've, I've, seen it, I've seen it all, Tony. I've seen it all. Literally, if they, if they got to play the Niners, <laughs> that hasn't gone so well for them lately. So, literally, uh, it's the greatest spot ever, Green Bay, Wisconsin. If you're a football absolutely. fan and you can get to Lambeau Field, their Hall of Fame looks like a real pro football Hall of Fame. It, it, it Lambeau yeah. Field is like the coolest place ever. It's unbelievable, and I know I'm a lifelong Packer fan, but that place, that that. That's God's country, man. When you walk in there on a Sunday, I tell you, I, I, I do. I tell anybody, you got to go. You got to go one time. I don't care if you're a Raider fan or, and the Niner fan who hates the Packers. I get all that. That's fine. But you got to go to Lambeau. It's awesome. They had the map up there. How like, you know, Bart Starr lived here and Ray Nitschke oh, yeah. lived here. They all live like right next to each other. It's incredible. Absolutely. And when I go up there, I'm like, I got to go by Bart Starr's house. Got to go by there. <laughs> it's just, you just drive by. You're like, yeah, that's where Bart lived. And you just oh, think it's man, the coolest thing ever. The, the restaurant, you got to have reservations. At Lambeau Field's the best. All right. Hey, we oh, always appreciate you coming on on game day. We know no we, problem. We, this is like our, it's like your batting practice. We warm you up. All right, you guys do a great job. Anytime, I'll come on.
Let's get a win tonight. All right, buddy. Take care. See you, man. The great Glenn Kuyper, the TV face of your Oakland Athletics. And Lambeau Field is incredible. You got to go. If you're a football fan, you're a sports fan. Because what they've done is they've they've bought out part of the neighborhoods. And so, like, you look at those old pictures because there was, like, little, you know, suburbia, Green Bay, Wisconsin homes right across the street. They bought those things up, tore them down, and they got restaurants, they got bars, they got entertainment, they got a top golf. I mean, it's incredible. I had a good time. Commander, you got to go. Lambeau Field. I would go now that I've been there, and you got to have, re- like, the place is packed year round. Like, you got to have reservations for the restaurant inside Lambeau Field. I mean, it's, it's, uh, let's just say, uh, the Green Bay Packers, they are a cash cow. I would love to go see Lambeau, Miller Park, the Big House, and um, Target Field, and like a trip uh, up there because I think because they're all close to each other. Well, I mean, close in in my mind, they're all close, and I'd make it work. But I, those are like four of the stadiums I'd love to see. Lambeau be one. I'd probably go the Big House number two, and then I'd like to see Target Field, and Miller Park, just because Miller Park is I, seeing Bernie the Brewer slide down the slide will be awesome in person. And then just seeing Target Field because it's a newer ballpark and where the Twins play, and you got to go there when it's not cold or or snowing. So you got to go in the middle of the summer, pretty much. Those are where I want to go. But Lambo's always been on my list. Um, it's right behind. I think my number one is Wrigley because I haven't been to Wrigley yet. So maybe go to Wrigley and hit up the South Side. Uh, was it a uh, U.S. Cellular Field? Is that what they call it now? Yeah, I I, I, uh, I don't think you need to go to the South Side. But I need to go to the south side just so I can say I've been to the south side. Yeah, you don't need to go. Trust me. You don't 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 waste your time. But it's uh, yeah. Wrigley's awesome. South side, not so much. Well, Wrigley, I want I'm curious to see how Wrigley does once they actually put this uh sports book in that they're planning on doing you in mean there. When they have legalized gambling at Wrigley Field in Chicago, Illinois. It'll be interesting to see how many people that are non baseball fans go to those games just to gamble. Well, they I mean they're already sold out anyway. Yeah. So you're going to start seeing people, you know, going there, casual baseball fans, casual. Well, in Chicago, I think everyone likes the Cubs. or the, I think everyone's a Cubs fan. I think everyone's probably been to Wrigley at least once there. Uh, go Cubs, go. Yeah. I mean, you've seen a lot of history of that organization. So this that we talked about that last week. The sportsbook thing is interesting. So I want to see how that, that plays out as uh, someone who doesn't understand how any of that works. It'll be interesting to see how many non-baseball fans start going to those games. So what happens if they put a sports book in the Oakland, Alameda, County Coliseum? I mean, are you going to tell us we can't gamble? You're, you're, you're asking the right questions to the wrong guy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, employees of the team, I mean, they, they, they try and tell us we can't play fantasy sports. What are you going to do when you got – a, a betting shop inside the Coliseum. That's a uh, that's a delicate balance that they're going to have to figure out if that ever happens. So the Cubs are going to set the precedent by doing it. Remember they- when we first became employees of the A's and there was the, oh, you can't play fantasy baseball? Yeah. That was weird. Uh, but I understand What do you it. do when you got a guy taking bets? 
I'll take the A's in the over at six runs. This, it, it, it will be, I mean, it's going to be mind-blowing when you, you were so anti-gambling, so anti-betting for all these years. The Chicago, the, 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 the Blacks, Black Sox scandal, Pete Rose, we're against gambling, and now all of a sudden you got a guy there taking people's money and putting out money and really here's a hundred dollar bill. I'm putting a hundred on the A's. Here's a hundred dollar bill. Isn't that going to, right? Isn't that going to be really interesting someday when that, cause it's coming. I mean, if they put it in Wrigley, they're going to put it in every other stadium. You're going to have all these back the scandals of gambling and gambling. Gambling is what ruins professional sports and baseball. And then now you got basically a bookie in the stadium. It's going to be odd. That's why I want to see how the Cubs handle it because uh, it's going to be interesting. And then you get the whole Pete, Pete Rose dynamic. Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame when you're taking bets. Yeah, that's going to change the whole conversation about Pete Rose. So I want to see how this works. Even though you may still be stuck on that and say, nope, you can't go it. You can't. But, uh, okay, wait a minute. I can walk up to somebody and give them 100 bucks and bet on the team. And if I went, I mean, you're now getting in bed with more than just fantasy sports. Yeah. That is going to be really, really interesting. All right, what are we playing up until uh, A's Total Access? Uh, everyone can hear the, the general manager show with David Force next, leading into A's Total Access with you. The great David Force next, and we will have A's. What time are we on for A's Total Access? 5.15. We'll be back on Wednesday for A's Cast Live at 3 o'clock. Because tomorrow's a double dip, baby. We got two games. So we'll be back on Wednesday, but uh, hang in there with A's Cast, and we'll be back in 15 minutes. Thank you, everybody, for listening to A's Cast Live. Chevron and its brands are committed to reliably providing fuel to customers, even during an emergency. The safety and health of workers, customers, and the communities where Chevron operates are primary concerns. In Northern California, Chevron and Texaco stations are open for business, supplying quality fuels in a safe manner. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.